Good evening. We are still in the middle of discussing the halachas of Shvis. Um, we shan't be moving away from that for a while. And we'd like to carry on with those halachas. I'd just like to recap a little bit what we discussed in the previous year. And then move on to discuss what I want to discuss this week. It might finish slightly early today because I have to go to a chasna, which is in the decorium. One of the wonderful things of COVID was that we didn't have to run off the chasnas every every uh, second day. But Baruch Hashem, there's simchas. Baruch Hashem, we can have simchas. So it's uh, as much as it's a tircha, it's really wonderful. But it does eat its way into shurim. So I apologize if we do finish a bit early. We discussed in the previous year that there's something unique about Shemitah, and that is that the money of Shvius, the money of Shemitah will, the, the Kedusha Shvius will be transferred to the money. So we discussed how the, it's difficult for me to remember from week to week, from two weeks to two weeks, exactly what we learned. I tried to put a mark here in my book, but it doesn't always stay there. So we discussed the transferal of Kedusha Shvius from the fruits onto the money. And how that poses a problem, because if a person then buys buys fruits, Kedusha Shvi's fruit with money, that money then has Kedusha Shvi's and has to be treated with Kedusha Shvi's. And if you buy with that with that money any food that's going to be eaten, that food then will will now have Kedusha Shvi's in it and has to be eaten with Kedusha Shvi's. The money has halachas. It can't be used for anything other than, than things that need to be used, for example, for food. You can't go and buy yourself other things with it. And buy yourself a toy, a game, go on holiday with it. That's forbidden. It'll have Kedusha Shvi's, and therefore it has certain parameters. The problem for us was, if we know that this shop's selling fruits and vegetables of Shvi's, and we know that the person in front of you is standing before before you in in, in the queue was buying fruits of Kedusha Shvi's, and paid with money, you now know for sure that there's money of Kedusha Shvi's in the till, and to pay your, to buy your fruits, even if they were not Shvi's fruits, plain fruits, but to pay with money and get change is, is meaning that you may risk having money of Shmita, money of Kedusha Shvi's in your hand. And therefore we advised against that. If you go to a large shop where you don't know if there's money of Shvi's in the, in the till, then that's okay. Then we can get away with that. But if you, uh, you know for sure that there's money of Shvi's in the till. We said that's a problem, and we should try and avoid that. The way around that is to buy, pay with a credit card, or to go to a shop where you are quite sure that they don't sell fruits of Shvi's, or to go to a large shop where you don't know that there's money of Kedusha Shvi's in the till, and make sure that you don't notice the person in front of you buying fruits with Kedusha Shvi's in it. And those were the way, ways around the issue. If you pay with a credit card, then you don't have that issue at all. There was a discussion if you pay off your credit card before you actually finish eating the fruits, then you may end up being considered that that money that you've paid to the bank is called money with Kedusha Shvi's. But then we'll go into the bank and the bank has got enormous amount of money. And therefore, the chances of there being any Kedusha Shvi's in, in, in anybody's vicinity is very slim. So basically, what was relevant to us was just be aware that if there's somebody in front of you, definitely buy Kedusha Shvi's, payers of Kedusha Shvi's, do not pay with. And, and they pay with cash, then you shouldn't pay with cash for your items and receive change because then you're risking having 
money with Kedusha Shviris in your possession. If you do get money with Kedusha Shviris in your possession, we suggested buying a bar of chocolate, eating it with Kedusha Shviris, make sure you eat every bit and every crumb of that chocolate, which isn't a big mysterious nefesh for some people. And that way you've uh, eaten it with Kedusha Shviris and you don't have any problems with it whatsoever. Today, we discussed a little bit at the end of the, the previous year the concept of Oitzah based in. But today I'd like to come back to that a bit later and to, I'd rather discuss all the different types of fruits that we have in Etisrael, which we mentioned briefly at the end of the previous year and elaborate a little bit more on those types of fruits and the relevance to Kedusha Shviris. As we explained, if you have fruits which grow in Chutz La'aretz, they for sure don't have any Kedusha Shviris on it. Chutz La'aretz means outside of Etisrael. But that really raises a problem. What's considered Eretz and what's not considered Eretz Historically, Jews, Kadishol, captured and conquered Eretz twice in our history. Once when we came up from Mitzrayim, after the Midbar, we went in the time of Yeshua. This was known as Kibush Oile Mitzrayim. We then entered into Eretz and we captured Eretz And then we have a second time, after the Chorban Bayes Rishon, after the destruction of the first base of Mikdash, we then went up with Ezra, and we recaptured Eretz Yisrael, and that's known as Kibush Oile Bogel. Not all of Eretz Yisrael that was captured in the time of Oile Mitzrayim, when we came out of Mitzrayim, was recaptured again in the time of Oile Bogel. There are areas that were only captured the first time and not taken the second time. Do they have Kedushas Eretz on it? Does it not? Do we say only that which was captured the second time has Kedushas Eretz Or do we say even that which was only captured the first time has Kedushas Eretz There's again a discussion. So that will mean that we're not quite clear exactly where the parameters and the borders of Eretz are. Some will tell you that if it was captured by Oli Mitzrayim and wasn't captured by Oli Bavo, it's only Kaddish Midrabonon. Maybe they don't have, there's no Isisfich in there. The Gon will tell you that it doesn't have Kedusha Shviris at all. So it's not clear exactly. You need to, we need to know exactly where the borders of Eretz Yisrael are to know clearly that the, these fruits and vegetables grown in, within those parameters or those borders of where the Oile Bobel retook Eretz Yisrael. That is Eretz Yisrael 100%. And there we have real issues of Shmita. Outside of that, even if it's where Oile Mitzrayim conquered, that's still has Kedusha Shviris, but not on the same level as the areas that were captured in the time of Oli Babel, in the time of Ezra. We have an area in Eretz which is known as Zarova, down south of Eretz Down south of Eretz uh, I didn't print out a map or, or bother going into details exactly where down south is, but down south is, is quite low down, below Beersheba, quite low down Eretz all the way down to Lilat, is known as Arava, before Ilat, Ilat is definitely outside of Eretzisrael, but before Ilat is considered, it's called the Arava, and it's not clear exactly what its status is with regards to Shemitah. There are some people who say that it's got Suffolk, if that's part of Eretzisrael or not, and therefore since Suffolk, since it's, it's a Suffolk, and Shvi's today is only Drabonon, and therefore we can be lenient, and we can say that anything grown in the Arava is not considered Kedusha Shvi's. Others say no. Arava is an area that was captured by Oli Mitzrayim, wasn't captured by Oli Bobo, and therefore does have a Din Shvi's, at least Midrabonon will have a Din Shvi's, and therefore it becomes a, a, a area of, of discord amongst the Poskim, how to relate to fruits which are growing in Arava. So again, anything grown outside of Eretz 
for sure doesn't have Kedusha Shviz. But we have so many areas within the borders, what are today known as modern-day Israel, which may not actually have Kedusha's Yisrael with regards to Yisrael And that's the areas which are captured by Oli Mitzrayim, but not captured by Oli Bavel, the Arava, down south. What's its status? And that's why there's so much contention, halachi contention, when it comes to trying to trying to ascertain exactly which fruits and vegetables do have Kedusha's Yisrael and which do not. So that's the first type of fruit that, we, that that's contentious and difficult for us to know clearly. And therefore, we really can only buy fruits, even if we live in Yisrael, which we know come from a good Hefshah, or are under the auspices of somebody reliable, that it's definitely coming from Chutzlaritz. In Yisrael today, there are what's known as Paris Chutzlaritz. They are sold in the shops. They're very expensive, because why not make some money if you can on the backs of other people? That's very nice. And they bring in fruits from Chutzlaritz, so that it doesn't have any Kedusha Shreves to it. You don't have to worry about all the parameters of how to treat fruits and vegetables with Kedusha Shreves. Expensive, if you can afford it. But you can only buy from there if you know for sure that they are Paris Chutzlaritz. Somebody could be posing as selling Paris Chutzlaritz, and really they're Paris from the Arava, or Paris from areas which were conquered by Oli Mitzrayim, or not conquered by Oli Bobo. So you have to really make sure that you have a reliable a reliable source, and it's not just from somebody that you're not quite sure who he is. The second type of, of fruit which is grown in Etisrael, and in order to understand that, let's give you a bit of a background, and that is fruits which are grown in pots. Now, there's two types of pots. If you have a pot, if you look at your plant pots in the house, you'll see that most of your plant pots at home have little holes underneath. That's known as an otzitz makov, a plant pot which has a hole. The advantage of that hole is, is it's primarily to help the water that you're feeding and that you're giving to the plants. If it's, if it's too much water, it'll flow out of the pot, rest in the, in the plate underneath and then slowly be able to be drawn through the holes and back into the earth to give nourishment to the, to the plant. But what you do see is that the hole enables the plant to take nourishment from outside of the pot. And therefore, Otsitz Nokov, a plant, a plant pot which has a hole in it, is considered drawing sustenance from the ground. And therefore, it definitely, definitely, definitely has all Hilchas Shvis. So if you have a big plant pot and it's resting on the ground and you grow some fruits and vegetables in it, it has a din of Kedusha Shvis. If it's a, a, a Otsitz which is not, doesn't have any holes in it, it's an oxis she'enoi knuckle, a plant pot with no holes in it. It's not clear what its status is when it comes to shvis. When it comes to trumas and maestros, we take on a plant pot is has a chiv trumas and maestros midrabono. When it comes to shvis, it's very very unclear, and therefore there's a, again a huge discussion amongst the poskim. Are you allowed to plant in plant pots that have no holes in them? And here we're discussing plant pots which are lying outside. So, for example, placing huge plant pots in a, in a field and using the plant pots to, to plant your vegetables, would that allow you to eat them without Kedusha Shreves or not? Is a huge bone of contention. If you plant in plant pots but inside a house, there's more room for leniency. 
because Yerushalmi has a Suffolk. Yerushalmi has a doubt whether planting inside a house is included in Issa Shvirus at all. Maybe inside a home is not called a problem of Shvirus. Maybe only planting inside, outside in the fields is a problem of Shvirus. Inside, Yerushalmi has a Suffolk. So here we have now a double Suffolk. If you are planting in a plant pot without any holes, and you plant internally inside a structure, and we'll discuss in a moment what the that structure has to be, the basis for the structure, it may be that there's room for leniency. And, and one can do that on on Shreyas and then have a source of vegetables, which is not too expensive for the population to eat. Again, this is a huge discussion. Do we say Shreyas today is only Drabonon? And since it's only Drabonon, we have two Sveikas here, two doubts. One, whether uh, Otsitz, Sheinoi Nokov, is included in Issa Shreyas at all. Two, whether a plantation internal inside a house, whether that's called Issa Shreyas or not, we got a double suffolk here. The whole list of shvius is only drabbanon. Definitely room to be makel, and therefore there are many poskim chaznish, including included, including in in that group is a chaznish, who is probably one of the most uh, strictest poskim when it comes to hilta shmita and the pioneers of the shmita we have today, the the karen shvius and the, the the ability for there to be majority of land, or I should say the majority of farmers in Eretz Yisrael keeping shmita. Kahalacha, but not just Kahalacha, as we'll see later, keeping Shmita with all these strict, strict stringencies that the Chaznish put into place. He, he was a pioneer and he allowed planting in plant pots, which were inside. There you have a double color, double leniency, a double leniency is enough to allow you to plant even a Shmita in these plant pots. What's the definition of inside? So the basic parameter of an inside, it has to have a roof. It has to be something which is planted under a roof. Under roof is called inside. There are other poskim who say under roof is not sufficient. You need to have walls or at least 50%, more than 50% of the area where you're planting the pots has to be surrounded by a wall. Exactly the size of the holes of an Otsitsunakov is not clear. So if you have an, a, a, a a plant pot, and it has tiny holes. There may be a, that may be enough to be considered this plant pot as a plant pot which is gokdusha shviz. So if you're going to use a plant pot on shviz inside and rely on the kula of the chaznish, then you have to make sure that there's no plant, no, no holes in it at all. If you place it on a plate, and it's not a ceramic plate, a, a glass plate or, or, or a metal plate or plastic, maybe even, then that would be considered detached from the ground. If it's on a second floor, if it's not on the ground floor, again, there's more room to be lenient. So we have a number of, of get-out clauses here to enable a person to, enable a farmer to grow some level of produce inside a house. That means under a roof with a wall around it, at least 50%, more than 50%, so we should have a wall around it. And it's in a plant pot which has no holes inside, no holes at all, not even uh, small holes. And then it Going to the Chaznish and many Paskim, that will be considered fruits that do not have Kedusha Shvius. And therefore, there are those farmers who will was grow in what's known as hothouses. They build these hothouses for Shmita. Inside the hothouses, they place a polyethylene sheets on the ground. So the ground is now definitely covered, covered. And anything on top of it is definitely detached from the ground. They then grow in pots on those polyethylene sheets. Huge pots. They grow their vegetables. And the 
hothouse has a roof and it has some netting around at least uh, more than 50%. Um, uh, sorry, a netting which is around the, and it's denser than 50%, I should say. It, it's a proper netting. It's not something that anything that, that you can just uh, push something through. It's quite a thick netting. Then that's considered, according to Chazmish, sufficient to be able to allow you to grow and sell without having any Kedusha Shavis. And these are types of fruits that you can find in Etisrol, here and there, fruits which are grown in plant pots. However, as with all different areas of halacha, there's nothing black and white. And Rabbi Yashiv was a little bit, a little bit worried about this kula of the Chazanish, and he added an extra dimension. And he said, you can only rely on these plant pots, which are grown on top of, which are placed on top of polyethylene sheets inside a hothouse with walls, thick netting, and the ceiling, only if you sell the plant pots to a non-Jew. So then you have an extra added dimension of leniency in the equation. And then he was a little bit more happy to allow those fruits to be considered fruits that don't have Kedusha Shvies. So we have here in front of us now a options, different options for fruits to be grown in Etisrol and not have Kedusha Shvies. The first one is to be grown in areas that don't have Kedusha Etisrol, but that's debatable. Some of that area will have an Isidrabonon, will have Shvies Drabonon. Some of those areas are Debatable whether they are Kedushas Esrog or not Kedushas Esrog. There's, there's a contention there. Not clear. So that's not really going to allow us, ideally, to grow fruits in Esrog without any problems. To grow in an otzitz, in a, in a plant pot, which is a no with, with inside, inside a house, and which you've sold to a non-Jew, seemingly that most possible will take on, that that would be a good get-out clause and a way to be able to grow fruits in Esrog, which don't have Kedushas trees. Then we have another type of fruit growing in Etisrael, not type of fruit, but another type of growing of fruit in Etisrael. And this is a little bit more contentious and more relevant, and that's what is known as Yibul Nochri. Yibul Nochri literally means grown by non-Jews. This means that your the fruits are grown in land owned by non-Jews, planted and worked upon by the non-Jews themselves, in an area which definitely has Kedushas Ertisrol. Do we consider land which has Kedushas Ertisrol in Ertisrol, but grown and owned by a non-Jew? Do we consider those fruits as fruits which are grown in Ertisrol and therefore has Kedushas Shvies? Do we say no? The Issa, the primary reason why the Torah forbade fruits which are grown in Ertisrol is to prevent people from working on the fields in Shemitah. Shemitah is a time when we have to leave the, leave, leave the fields to lie fallow. But if the fields belong to a non-Jew who is not obligated with the halachas of Shemitah and Shvies at all, then maybe those fruits do not even have Kedusha Shvies. Or maybe they do. And this is a contention in the earlier poskim between the Besyosef, the Shulchan Aruch, and the Mabit in trying to understand what the Rambam meant. Does a Rambam believe that Yibul Nochri, fruits grown in land owned by non-Jews and worked on by non-Jews, is permitted, is not, does not have Kedusha Shvies, or is it not permitted and it does have Kedusha Shvies? What's interesting is that the modern day Poskim are divided in whether we should follow the Besyosov who allows Yibul Nochri, or whether we should follow the Mabit who does not allow Yibul Nochri. So in Yerushalayim, the Bedats, who is probably the most uh, right-wing, if I can use that terminology, Heksha in Yerushalayim, 
they have a kula on Yibul Nochri. They are mekel on, y- on Yibul Nochri. They say that Yibul Nochri does not have Kedusha Shvi'is. The Chazanish in Bnei Brak and most, most areas outside of Yerushalayim took on, followed the opinion of the, of the Marit, of the Mabit, and believes that Yibul Nochri has Kedusha Shvi'is. Which therefore means that if you're living in Yerushalayim and you're following the opinion of the Bedats, you'll be eating Yibul Nochri. If you're living in Bnei Brak or most other cities outside Yerushalayim, you will be following the opinion of the Chazanish. So we could go to a shop, and you can go now to a shop, because I'm, people have told me they've seen them in the shops, and go and buy your spreads, which you've been buying for the last six and a half years, seven years. You'll be buying these wonderful spreads, these hummus and this and that and the other, and you'll pick it off the shelf, and you'll see it's got a wonderful heksha. The Dutch can't get better than that. And there'll be a, a sign on it saying, Yibbel Nochri, which means that this dip, this spread, whatever it is that you're buying with a reputable heksha is only not shmitter if you follow the opinion of Yibbel Nochri. That Yibbel Nochri doesn't have shmitter. Most chutzla orits batadinim will try and avoid Yibbel Nochri. Uh, the Kedasi will try and avoid Yibbel Nochri. Most of them will try and avoid Yibbel Nochri because it's contentious. Why should we get involved in something which is contentious? But that's have a messiah going back generations that they pass in Adabish Yosef. Chaznish disagreed with that. So many people outside of Yerushalayim are careful not to eat Yibbul Nochri. Some people have a Messiah that they don't mind eating Yibbul Nochri. If you are someone who's careful not to eat Yibbul Nochri, then make sure when you go to the shops and you pick up a spread or whatever it may be, have a look and see if it says Yibbul Nochri on it. It should say Yibbul Nochri if it's Yibbul Nochri. I cannot promise you, though, that if it has a Badat texture, that it will always say Yibbul Nochri. It could be that it'll be Yibbul Nochri even without the word Yibbul Nochri written on it because the Badats are Mekel. But I do think that a lot of them will say Yibbul Nochri on the box, on the, on the carton. So do, if you are someone who wants to be careful for Yibbul Nochri, not to eat Yibbul Nochri, make sure you check. Don't just rely on the fact that you've been eat, eating this wonderful uh, dip and spread for the last six, seven years. Do check again and make sure that it fits your criteria this year during the Shemitah year. If you're someone that doesn't mind eating Yibbul Nochri, then fine, yes, on me, listen, you have who to rely on. I'm not going to tell you here now whether you should or shouldn't. Uh, I can tell you that many Batadinim outside Yerushalayim do not rely on Yibbul Nochri. I can't tell anybody off for relying on Yibbul Nochri. There are many wonderful Hashemidim who will be eating Yibbul Nochri in Yerushalayim uh, during the Shemitah. So whatever opinion you wish to follow is fine, but, but if you do want to be strict, make sure that you check in the shops to make sure that it doesn't say Yibbul Nochri on it. Rabbi Greenberg, sorry to interrupt you. How do you spell Yibbul Nochri? Good base, Vav Lamed. Yibul. 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 Uh-huh. Okay. Nochri. Thank you. Even if you are going to rely on Yibul Nochri, again, you must only ever buy Yibul Nochri with a reliable hechsha. If it's not a reliable hechsha, do not take Yibul Nochri. And I'll explain to you why. Because there are many unscrupulous people, unfortunately, in this world. And particularly in uh, the agricultural world, there's many people out there who will do things which are not fair, not right, just in order to make some money. So what they will do is they will grow their fruits and vegetables in Etisarol, pass it on to Arabs, farmers, and they'll make a deal with them. Look, you get a percentage, and you sell it back to the market. They're selling it to the market as Arab-produced f- fruits and vegetables, but really they, initi- they, they, they begin and they start off in Jewish-owned land, 
And you could end up thinking that Yibun Nachrin isn't really. And therefore, you need to have a reputable Heksha. In fact, Yibun Nachrin is not so simple to actually get clarity on because the Arabs, it's very hard to send a mashkiach into our own land. It's pretty dangerous. So they use drones and, and uh, etc. They all modern technology to try and get clarity. Is this really Yibun Nachrin? Or is this fruits that have imported? And maybe imported from Israeli farmers and then passing, passing back through to the market. So without reputable hechshu, you have to be extremely careful on the Yibel Nachim. Moving on one stage further on beyond Yibel Nachri is something that's known as Hetemechir. Now Hetemechir is probably the most contentious part of this discussion that we're having today. Hetemechir means that is a Jewish farmer allowed to Sell, like we do in Pesach, sell his land to a non-Jew. Now, of course, that only works if you base yourself on the Vesyasu who says that Yibul Nachri is permitted. Non-Jewish owned land does not, the fruits and, not, and fruits and vegetables of non-Jewish owned land do not have Kedusha Shris. Then if you take that one stage further and you say, you know what, I'm a Jewish owner, a Jewish landowner. What I'll do is I'll sell my land to a non-Jew and I'll continue farming like I've been farming for the last so many years. But it's no problem because it's not Jewish owned land. And we'll be relying on the Bishyasov. He's a person, a very reliable person, the Bishyasov, the Shulchan Aruch, which we for sure rely on him. And that way we can then produce, continue to produce fruits and vegetables, which will not have Kedusha Shvis on it. But this is relying on a number of colors. First of all, it's relying on the concept of Yibel Nochri being permitted. Secondly, it's relying on the fact that even if Yibel Nochri is okay, can a, Jew, a Jewish worker work on non-Jewish own land? That itself is, is, is contentious. That's a, a, a machlekes. Can a Jew work on non-Jewish own land? And therefore, this became a, a very big uh, contentious issue, starting already in 1882. In 1882, a gentleman called Dr. Pinsker, who was the head of Chayvavetzin, Chayvavetzin was the movement that started uh, not not so long before that, started uh, in Europe to try and encourage people to move to Israel and rebuild Israel. And he came in front of the Nativ, and he made a suggestion to the Nativ. The Nativ was Rosh Hashim in Velozhin. He wrote a number of svarim. One of the svarim he wrote is Shavuos Tshuva's Meishiv Dava, and in the Shavuos Tshuva's Meishiv Dava, he has a, a long discussion about this concept. Can one, since Shmita today is, according to most opinions, only a drabonon, and that's how we take take on the halacha, and the Chazanish agrees to that, that that Shavuos today is only a drabonon. Can we therefore be lenient when it comes to Shavuos and rely on the Bais Yosef, who says that Yibul Nochri is not kedusha Shavuos? And at the same time, take it one stage further and allow even Jews to work on non-Jewish land. And that way we can save the future of farming in Yisrael. So You can imagine when the early pioneers went up to, to Yisrael and they lived in the land, it was swamps and, and it was a, a battle to, to produce any sort of uh, produce from the lands uh, the, the, from the, the lands that they were trying to, to work on and they had to battle with the Arabs and, and, and everything was a fight this would have, uh, a Shreus where they couldn't grow any fruits and vegetables would have completely destroyed their livelihood and they would have, who knows, could have even died from starvation 
And therefore he, as this, this as head of Chayvet Sin, came out with this wonderful idea of helping the farmers and enabling them to be able to produce even inshmitter fruits that don't have Kedusha Shvi's, and they can therefore then sell it on the market and have some panos and be able to survive. The Nitziv wasn't happy with this at all. Nitziv wasn't happy at all, and therefore in 1882, in the Schmidt of 1882, it didn't get very far. Moving on to the next Schmidt, 1888-1889, Baron Rothschild, who was a, a very big uh, supporter of the settlements in Etzisrael, he sent this question to Rabbi Yitzhak Ochanan Specter, the Rav of Kovna. And he sent it to Rabbi Shmuel Maliov, and he sent it to Rabbi Shmuel Klapish. And they sat down as a group of three, as a based in, to discuss this, this question. And interestingly enough, they came out with a heter, or seemingly at the time came out with a heter. However, Rabbi Shule Diskin and Rabbi Shmuel Salant in Eretz wasn't so happy. The both of them weren't so happy with this heter, and they were more stringent. And they said, "You can't rely on this heter." There were times when they were a little bit more shaky about whether they should be machmir, should not be machmir, but they weren't so keen on the concept of relying on heter mechira. Interestingly, even Rav Cook, whose love for Eretz was renowned didn't really want to rely on Hatamachira. He only allowed it in a real, real case of a Bidyevit. He would not allow it as an ideal, as a Lechatchila. And a Chaznish, of course, he came to Etisrael, he fought tooth and nail against the concept of Hatamachira. And in fact, the whole Karen Ashviris today, which is uh, raising tens and, I don't know how many millions, but tens of millions of pounds to enable farmers to be able to keep Shmita Kilchosa without any leniencies, is primarily there to make sure that the farmers do not work at all on the land. They don't rely on Hetamachira. What they're doing is they are leaving the land fallow exactly as it should without any interference or any colors. And that way we can eventually be to the bracha of Savisas Bichosi. We will have Kedusha Shvis as it should be. And that's based on the Chaznish's real strong stance against Hetamachira. So that gives you a little bit of a background of the Difficulties of Hetamachira that we have in Etisrael today. According to those who are Makel on Hetamachira, and you won't find many right wing Hechshem with it, you may find Rabbanut relying on it, but you won't find a right wing Hechshem relying on it. Uh, it those who are lenient on Hetamachira, then those fruits don't have Kedusha Shvis because we're assuming that those fruits are, those fruits are grown in non Jewish land. What's interesting is that if Cook, because he was un, unclear in himself whether he wanted to rely on this, he said that even if those who are relying on Hetamachir should treat the fruits as if it's got Kedusha Shvi's. But that's a, a, a extremely, uh, extremely big uh, step to take. And I don't think the people who are relying on Hetamachir today are actually relying, are actually assuming that it has Kedusha Shvi's. The Amongst the right-wing Hechshem, no one will rely on Hetemachir today anymore. The Chaznish has laid the rule down, and therefore anything with Hetemachir that you buy in a shop, according to the halacha of the Chaznish and the Messiah that we follow and, and in, in, in most of the right-wing camp in Yisrael, will be that it has Kedusha Shvis. And if it has Kedusha Shvis, you have to be careful for Svichin, and you have to be careful, Svichin is the, the aftergrowth, as we've discussed in the previous room. You have to be careful for fruits after Zman which we will 
discussing the coming Shurim Bezat Hashem, and, and it makes life really complicated. So therefore, if one can avoid Hetemachira, one should avoid it, not to get oneself into contentious water. Those who are Machmeh are Machmeh because, as we said, they say, first of all, that Beshasuk is not a very clear opinion. The Mabit disagrees. Secondly, who says that even according to Beshasuk, that a Jew is allowed to work in the field? Thirdly, and this is an extremely interesting one, they say, we have a problem of Gamiris Dasi. Does the farmer really want to give his field away for a year? Is it really, or is it just a sort of a get out? But he doesn't really mean to sell it. If he doesn't really mean to sell it, then it's not really sold. If it's not really sold, it's not Yibal Nachri. And if it's not Yibal Nachri, then it definitely has to Shashriyas. And therefore, you're talking about a farmer can have huge, huge swaths of land, dunams of land, enormous amounts. And he's suddenly going to give all that away for a whole year. Just when you think it through, it's not like coming to a Rav and Air Pesach and saying, oh, I've got 50 pounds worth of comments, 100 pounds, 200, 300 pounds worth of comments, and I want to sell that for Pesach. It's not a big, mysterious nefesh. And the worst comes to the worst, the guy keeps it. Not such a big, mysterious nefesh. There, here we're talking about, and therefore we rely, when it comes to Pesach, we do rely on that. But here we're talking about his, his livelihood, his future, everything. And he's giving that away to a non-Jew. Not so clear that he's going to have 100% Gemirus Das, complete intent to really allow this um, sale or this present to go through. And thirdly, there's the fourthly, there's a problem of Lashikhanim giving away a present to a non-Jew is itself problematic. Even if you're only giving away for a short time, does it go does it is it included in the ban under the banner of Lashikhanim? Is it not included under the banner of Lashikhanim? Is another discussion. And therefore the Khaznish really held that those four reasons are compelling enough to ban anything with Hatamakir. And finally let's come back to the last of the different types of fruits which are grown in Israel. And the reason why we're going through all of these is because all of this will end up in our shops in Chutzlaret. You will go to Kosher Kingdom or to Moshe's or to Kays or to whichever paradise, whichever shop you, you shop in, and you will find on the shelves items that may have originally had good hechsherim, and this year will not have such good hechsherim because they're relying on Hetemachira or they're relying on Yibul Nochri, etc. And therefore one really needs to be vigilant when you're buying Israeli products in English shops to make sure that you check the sharing properly and you check the detail on the label to, to know exactly what you're eating. Always be informed before you buy something. Finally, the, as we discussed at the end of the previous year, and we'll, we'll, we'll wind up today's year with the same, with the same ending. We have what's known as Oitza Bastin. And let's just recap what Oitza Bastin is. Oitza Bastin is as follows. This was something which was in, introduced into Israel in 1909. The Arbonim of Rishalayim realized that uh, you can imagine 19, in 1882, they struggled, the farmers. 1888, again, they struggled because Hatemachir wasn't yet accepted. Shurab Diskin, Shmuel Salam, it wasn't so clear that they, they were going to allow Hatemachir. In 1902, uh, sorry, not 1902, 1907, wasn't so clear yet. There, there was trust struggles. So around that time, the Bastin and Yushalayim introduced what's known as Oitzah Bastin. This is based on a Tosefta, as we discussed at the end of the year last week, but the Tosefta seems to say that the halachas of Shvi'is and the the, the prohibition, that what's, what's prohibited to work on fields of Shvi'is is only for the owner of the field himself. But for a, somebody else who's working not for profit, just working and allowing the fruits to be taken by anybody and everybody, that, that there there's no Issa 
to work on the land at all. Which means, therefore, that the basin came out with an, and, and we had a discussion, the machlekes, whether this is the halach or not. Ramban quotes this Fesefta in his parish Alatayra, and the Chaznish and many other poskim held that this is perfectly acceptable in Alokha. In today's Shmita, we can rely on Oitzah Beistin. And therefore, in the 1909, somewhere around there, the Beistin Yerushalayim introduced this new concept called Oitzah Beistin. What they did was they employed, Beistin employed workers and told them to go into the different fields with the agreement of the owners. You go into the fields, you look after the fruit, you look after the produce. That produce now has Kedusha Shvi'is, but there's, it's not forbidden to work on those fields because it's not the owner working. And the, the Sefta says only the owner has a problem of working in the field. Somebody else doesn't have that problem. The problem is that the, the owners must, must not look like they're working in the field. They've got to give up their ownership of the field. You mustn't show ownership of a field of Shvi'is. And that's the understanding behind the Tosefta. Therefore, a Beistin, which doesn't own the field, they will come in and they will be able to work on the field, enable the produce to grow, sell it in shops, but not sell it as selling Shvi'is. You're not allowed to sell fruits of Shvi'is. It's got Kedusha Shvi'is. You can't sell it. But what they will do is they'll put it in the shops and they will charge just for their time, for the costs for the workers and the costs of, of, of transportation, etc. But no profit is made on these fruits. And these will go into the shops under the banner of Oitzah Beistin. So this was something introduced in, in Narbonne Yerushalayim in, in the early 20th, in early uh, 19, 19th, 20th century, in the earliest 20th century. Later on, when the Chaznish came to Etisrol, he also adopted this concept of Oitzah Beistin, and they were brought in as a means to enable people in Etisrol to have fruits which are permitted for them to eat. If you're allowed to work in the field, I can create fruits. If I can create fruits, then I can have some fruit which I can supply to the population in Etzisro. However, it does have Kedusha Shvi's, so they have to eat it carefully with Kedusha Shvi's. Since it has Kedusha Shvi's, it's not allowed to be sent abroad. So we shouldn't be finding here Oitzah based in fruits or vegetables in our shops. You may find, and this is, comes over here by mistake, sometimes wine. Not right now, but in, in, a, in a while, a little later, you can find wine with Oitzah Beistin on. Now, we have another problem with Oitzah Beistin, and that is that Oitzah Beistin, the fruits are only allowed to be eaten until the Zman Biel. Once it's time to leave everything in the fields, Hefka, and you're not allowed to then partake of those fruits, then Oitzah Beistin has to stop their work, and those fruits can't be sold in the shops. And therefore, we will have a problem if we do get Oitzah Beistin Chostoritz, it mustn't come to Chutzlaris because Kedusha Shvi's must stay in Etzisrael. And we end up with some problems when it comes to the wine. We have to know whether this wine is after Zmambio. And if it's after Zmambio, no, the owners mustn't work on the field at all. It's got to be only the Beistin. It could be the owner's employee is now employed by Beistin. Then maybe that could work. But the owner themselves must have nothing to do with it. So Oitzah Beistin here in Chutzlaris is going to be a rarity. If you do see it, do not partake of it because you're entering into issues. Do not buy anything that says on it Oitzah Basin. You may find it may slip through the system, something with Oitzah Basin. I have seen it on wines. I haven't seen it on anything else. But you may find on other items, Oitzah Basin. Do not buy the Oitzah Basin. As we explained in the previous year, money which you use to buy the Oitzah Basin does not have to be on it because you're not actually paying for the fruits. You're just paying for the work that was that was uh, the, 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 the cost of the work that was spent on preparing these fruits, but you're not paying for the fruit. Therefore, the money doesn't have to do shishris. Again, this concept of Oitzah Beistin has been hijacked, and you will find many different, what we will call cowboy botadinim, creating Oitzah Beistin, and therefore saying, right, these fruits are permitted for 
Shvius, because we are a basin, we've made Oitzah Basin. Oitzah Basin is complex. You can't rely on any Tom, Dick, and Harry. You can only rely on a reliable basin that understands the complexities of Hilchah Shvius, and, and they are the ones who are running that basin and enabling there to be these fruits of Oitzah Basin. That, that Oitzah Basin in Eretz you can rely on. But if you do go to Eretz they will open up Bezal Hashem soon. And you do go to Eretz and you do want to partake of Oitzah Basin, Kedusha Shvius, make sure that it's fruits which come with a reliable Hechshah. Shvius creates in the minds of many a, a little conundrum, because on the one hand, we, we want to support the, the Jews in Eretz particularly the farmers who are struggling. On the other hand, here we are saying, don't buy fruits from Israel, don't buy fruits, because we're entering into issues of Shriyas. So it, create, it does create a conundrum, and that's where Karen Ashriyas comes in. Karen Ashriyas is, is an amazing organization. Uh, it's actually run by a grandchild of Mr. Korn of Gateshead, Zechorin Levrocha, the gentleman who ran Gateshead Sam. His grandson, his oldest grandson, is one of the, uh, the directors of Karen Ashriyas. I met with him a few weeks ago. Uh, fascinating stories, fascinating what goes on in Eretz Yisrael. But what they're trying to do is ease the plight of the farmers. They want to enable those people who are struggling because of Shriyas to have Panosa so that this way we can allow the land in Eretz Yisrael to lie fallow and we can receive the bracha of Tzavisas Bechosi. We can have all the brachas of Shriyas and everything that the, 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 the Kedushas Eretz Yisrael and the, the Shechina which resides in Eretz Yisrael won't feel pushed out because we're not treating the land the way it should be treated. We're not treating it as if it's our own. We understand this land belongs to Akkadish Borchel, it's not ours, and that will bring us to the Golish Lema. That, I hope, gives you a bit of a background to the different types of fruits that we will find on the market, and then Bez Hashem, next year, in two weeks' time, we will try and go through the different halachas of how to eat Perish If one does have Perish here or in Etzisol, how can one eat it, etc., and what are the parameters, what does one need to do, and when is one allowed to, when is one not allowed to, we'll try and cover that as much as we can, as best as we can next week, in two weeks' time. I wish you all a very good night, all of you should be healthy, everybody should be gesund, and we should have a freilich and lichter and we should all be zeichet to the gole shleimah bekorev.